as someone who has been doing this work for several years, what I think about the most for myself and what you know gives me the most confidence in myself is creating more align you know the greatest alignment between my words and my actions so i know that that is like self-reinforcing and that permeates all aspects of my life so what that looks like for me is meditating every morning i'm very very diligent i have a quite a serious morning routine um that's something that i've developed and i think that it involves uh, meditation and journaling and exercise um, and watching videos from um, a, another sort of mental coach who I follow, have followed. Um, and for me, I think that gives me a feeling of it's like I start the day having already shown up for myself. Um, and I think that that is how um, I build confidence um, as a person, um, and then that really translates into my writing. Welcome to the Practical Horseman podcast, featuring conversations with respected riders, industry leaders, and horse care experts. The show is co-hosted by Practical Horseman editors, and our goal is to inform, educate, and inspire. I'm Julia Murphy, and this week's episode is with World Equestrian Games gold medalist and leaderboard-topping international show jumper, Adrian Sternlicht. In this episode, the show jumping ace explains the roles that mental strength and self-discipline play in her career. Her attitude and drive, coupled with the help of her top mount, Crystalline, have propelled Adrienne into the equestrian limelight. The successful 27-year-old has represented the United States on some of the biggest stages, including the 2018 World Equestrian Games and several Nations Cups. How she does it, you may ask? By aligning her words with her actions. You'll hear Adrian talk about just how she does that in her everyday life. Plus, you'll get to know more about her best friend and mount, Crystalline, aka Stella. Before we jump into the podcast with Adrian, I'd like to thank the sponsor of this week's episode, Horse Week, and share their message. Watch, learn, and be inspired. A horse lover's dream is streaming to a smart device near you this fall. Horse Week, brought to you by Bowringer Engelheim, is coming October 3rd to 9th, 2021. Riders and horse lovers of every level and discipline will enjoy profiles of incredible equine athletes, storytelling that celebrates the horse and human bond, heartwarming tales of horse heroics, and advice from world-class equestrians. Tune in from the barn, the office, or the comfort of your couch. Equine Network is making it easy to watch the week-long celebration from any smart device. Visit horseweek.tv for more information. Now, let's dive into the podcast with Adrian. So Crystalline is a 13-year-old Bavarian warm blood. I've had her for five years. Um, I bought her from Gabby Chug. Um, Gabby and Chris Chug now, they're married. Um, And she actually grew up in Australia. So they bought her as a four or five-year-old from um, an auction, the PSS auction in Germany. And what are some of your most major and meaningful accomplishments with her so far? So I would say all of the most meaningful accomplishments of my career um, have been with her. Um, She is the horse that I took to the World Equestrian Games in 2018, um, where we secured a team gold as well as um, a top 12 individual finish. Um, And that was um, really, um, you know, perhaps one of the most important memories of not just my riding career, but um, my life thus far. 
Um, and then she was out for quite a bit of time. Um, last year, uh, we were aiming her for the Olympics. That never hasn't happened yet. Um, so I spent, she was out for about a year and a half after the World Equestrian Games with an injury. Um, and we really took our time slowly bringing her back um, because she was meant to jump World Cup finals last year um, and then would have gone to the Olympics, or we hope. <laughs> so um, that was sort of the timeline I was thinking. And so then when COVID hit, um, McLean Ward and I, my trainer, we stayed home for the whole summer and we competed at Socrates, just national classes. And I knew that that what wouldn't be on her radar. So I actually shut her down for the summer. Um, and so this winter really was the first time that I competed with her at a top level in like two and a half years, um, which is really crazy to think about um, because of how important she is to me. And um, this winter, my most memorable moment with her was finishing or being the only American and female um, who was double clear uh, in the five-star Grand Prix week nine of WEF. Going back to WEG, because you touched on that, what an in incredible achievement and memory. Uh, can you just touch on some more what it was like to win gold with her at WEG? Well, thank you so much. Um, she, I think the entire time I've had her, I've put her on a pedestal, um, which she absolutely deserves, 100% and more. Um, and to me, she is, has always been, you know, an Olympic gold worthy horse, a championship gold medal, you know, caliber of horse. Um, and so to be able to be with her in that moment, to be her rider and to, to experience that with her um, was so incredibly special to me because I think more than the world of her, she's my best friend in the entire world. And uh, so it was a really, really special memory. Um, and I think it gave me belief that um, I could compete um, at that level. You know, I could handle the intensity of that moment. Um, and she was right with me every step of the way. How did you come to ride her? And like, when you first saw her, what did you see in her that you loved that, you know, made you want to have her? Like you needed this horse that she was so special. <laughs> So her breakout performance was as an eight-year-old, she jumped World Cup finals with Chris Chug. Um, he's an unbelievable Australian rider who is uh, well known for producing horses. Um, and she had a phenomenal finish there. I believe they were finished top 10 or top 12. Um, and I think at that moment, the whole world saw her and fell in love with her, um, me among them. and. Um, I mean, she was always, I say, she was my pipe dream. Like, I never thought, you know, you see a horse like that and you kind of, that's the kind of horse any rider dreams about. And um, a few deals had to fall through with other people because everyone was asking about her. And so about four months later, um, Gabby and Chris, who are now very close friends of mine, were at a, you know, a point of conjunction where either they... They knew that they were going back to Australia very shortly and either, you know, they brought the horse back to Australia or sold it while, sold her while they were in Europe. And um, again, several other deals and other people were very interested in her, but they were also quite 
particular about who bought her and they really wanted to make sure that she would go to a loving home. And, you know, I talked to Gabby all the time. We're both obsessed with her. And um, I think that they know that she got that, if nothing else. That's so sweet to hear that they were so, it was so important for them, for her to go to a, a good home. Obviously, she has found a loving forever home with you. Mm-hmm. And can you tell us what she's like to ride? Yeah, she's a funny combination of, she's quite sensitive, but also quite strong. Um, she's incredibly spoiled because I just let her do, I let her, it's her world and I just live in it. Um, so um, she's not rude. She's not rude to handle on the ground. She's very polite and um, almost keeps to herself a bit. Um, but she definitely has her people. Um, and so she has me and um, her longtime caretaker, Emma Chapman. And she definitely is like quite reliant on us. Um, at home, she she has a bit of blood, like I think more than you would think. Um, it always surprises me for such a big horse. You know, she's kind of like a big, heavier build. Um, how much stamina she has. Like, she can just kind of go and go and go. Um, and so at home, I'm always working on not letting her cheat on the flat. Um, I ride her typically in just, you know, a snaffle. Um, and she, everything is quite easy for her. So it's really important that I'm hyper-disciplined when I ride her and I don't let her get away with anything. Um, so she, she requires all of your focus, but she's also very rewarding to ride because no horse that I've ridden can do everything as well as she can. Um, and so in that sense, she's taught me a lot. And you touched on it a little there, but what's her personality like in the barn? Does she have any quirks? Does she have nicknames? Uh, what's she like? We call her Stella. Uh, I call her Bella most of the time. Um, she, she's funny. She, again, she, I think she, she knows that she's the apple of my eye. And I think the other horses know as well. So whenever she, like, she knows my voice, um, often she'll nicker when I come into the barn. Um, she kind of looks for me. And then, um, whenever she sees me, she starts kind of like, licking her lips a bit and moving her jaw. I like to think it's because she's happy to see me, but in reality, I think it's because she knows she's going to get food. So I think she's just come to equate me and eating, um, which uh, she is not genetically blessed in that capacity. She puts on weight if she looks at food. So um, we always have to be careful of her waistline. I'm always very offended. People tell me all the time that she looks fat and we're like, actually, she's down in girth size. So um yeah she she's 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 an interesting horse. she's quite mild-mannered in the barn um but she definitely knows her people and you spoke about this a little bit how she's just so good at, at everything and she's <laughs> so talented um but does she have any specific strengths or what are maybe some of her strengths I would say her greatest strength is her mind um I think she can she understands the moment Um, And I think she's very intuitive. Like, I think she reacts, like, very strongly to whatever she she feels from me. Um, Yeah, I would say she's the smartest horse I've ever been around. And in that sense, she has a lot of common sense. Like, she never really, 
I never worry about that she's going to do something stupid. She's quite predictable in that capacity. And I think that that also makes it a lot easier for me as a rider. Like, I know her like the back of my hand. So I know what she's, I can predict every single move she'll make. Um, and, and really she, she doesn't want to do anything wrong. So she, she's very kind hearted. Um, what else can I say about her? Um, yeah, she's, she's just like, she's honestly, she's like, just like an unbelievable, unbelievable horse. Like I've, I've never been around something like her. And even like this morning I was schooling her and another horse. And it's just like, it almost feels like you're riding a different breed of animal. She, um, she's in a league of her own. And then when you are riding her, is there any specific work you like to do with her to address any cha- uh, training challenges? Yeah. So at the moment, my greatest challenge um, is that she wants to shift right a bit. Um, especially on the right lead. It's her weaker lead. Um, it also happens to be my weaker side as a rider. Um, I'm quite left side dominant. I'm left-handed and I've broken almost every bone in my left leg. So um, everything of my my whole left side is much stronger. So I'm always working on kind of pushing her off the right, um, keeping her haunches straight. Um and so I don't do a ton of lateral work. I'll do some moving off the right. Um, and then I do a lot of counter canter work. Um, she's a horse who naturally really steps up from behind just the way she goes. So sometimes it's easy to think that you have, you know, the hind end underneath you, but she's still trailing a bit. So I'm always trying to work on getting her working from behind um so that I'm opening up her stride a bit because actually for a big horse she doesn't have a huge huge step and how about mentally like when you're thinking of the possibility of going to compete at the Olympics how do you handle that mentally and how do you prepare for it mentally um yeah anyone who knows me knows that I am um very interested in sports psychology and the mental side of um competition in general so a huge part of my preparation is I work with a uh, mental coach. His name is Peter Crone. Um, he's pretty amazing. So I recommend anyone check him out. He doesn't work with just athletes. He works with all types of humans. And I think as, as someone who has been doing this work for several years, what I think about the most for myself and what you know gives me the most confidence in myself is creating more align, you know, the greatest alignment between my words and my actions. So I know that that is like self-reinforcing and that permeates all aspects of my life. So what that looks like for me is meditating every morning. I'm very, very diligent. I have a quite a serious morning routine. Um, That's something that I've developed. And I think that it involves uh, meditation and journaling and exercise, um, and watching videos from, um, a, another sort of mental coach who I follow, have followed. Um, and for me, I think that gives me a feeling of, it's like, I start the day having already shown up for myself. Um, and I think that that is how, um, I build confidence, um, as a person, Um, And then that really translates into my writing. Um, And so 
I've gotten a little bit um, off of my routine. <laughs> um, I am doing a master's program at Columbia University as well in human rights. So I've been in exams for the past uh, three and a half weeks. I just finished. Um, and so, yeah, I think that this is sort of a bit of my respite. And then it's it's back to work full steam ahead. Oh, that's incredible. I didn't know that you were uh, doing a master's program. How did you decide to do that? Um, I, so for, I graduated from Brown University in 2016. Um, and I knew that uh, over the past few years, I've done my, my, um, <coughs> my other passion is social justice. Um, and I knew that I wanted, um, I've always been very academically focused. And I actually really love the structure that having class and having a whole load of work uh, gives me. Um, it makes me be very intentional with my time. Um, and so I decided that I wanted to do something um, obviously somewhat close to home. And um, the human rights master's program at Columbia is very unique because it's very interdisciplinary. Um, and it also afforded me the ability to not, I think, interfere with my writing a lot. Um, so I'll be writing, I'll be starting my thesis um, at the beginning of next year. And yeah, it's something that, that I've, I've really enjoyed. That was wonderful. Thank you so much. I know everyone's gonna absolutely love hearing about your horses who are Olympic contenders. Of course, thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode with Adrian, and a big thank you to the sponsor of this week's episode, Horse Week. Learn more at horseweek.tv. You can subscribe to the Practical Horseman podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. While you're there, please rate and review the show. I'm Julia Murphy, and you've been listening to the Practical Horseman podcast.